0: Today, Hayden Winks and I, Big Brain Idea, the 20 players who define week four of fantasy football. We'll try to go game by game a little bit, but most importantly, it's the matchups that matter, the players that matter. And if you hear anyone in your lineup here, you can either skip ahead in the timestamps down below and see what we say. They should be in your lineup, if not, and why. Hayden, how you feeling? This is your concept. You should be leading it.
1: Yeah, this is basically uh, streamlining. You can yell at us when we get things wrong because it's very <laughs> obvious. Like, hey, th- there's no beating around the bushes. Like, these are our guys for the week. Um, but I like it. Put the okay. pressure on me.
0: I have 10. Hayden s 10. There's going to be a little bit of overlap. but That's what makes it fun here. And let's kick it off, Hayden. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Detroit Lions running back. Four-point favorites here against the Seattle Seahawks. A total of 48.
1: It's pretty simple. Look where the Lions are on the chart. They're still top three in implied points this week, DeAndre Swift is out. Amon Ra St. Brown is out. The ball's got to go somewhere. I think they're going to get Craig Reynolds some snaps here. But Jamal Williams, first of all, is good at the game. The scheme is good. And the offensive line is good. And quietly, the Lions are third in neutral pace. Now, that might not keep up this week just because of some of the injuries. But right now, we know this can be a run first ball, uh, ball game. Uh, Detroit's actually choosing to run the ball into light boxes at the third highest rate. And most importantly, the Seahawks are 28th against fantasy running back. So volume team, total matchup, all of it is beautiful for Jamal Williams. I have him very high in my rankings currently RB six. I'll tinker with that throughout the weekend, but I think that he's like a DFS play, not just somebody you should be starting in your redraft leagues. I think he's going to smash.
0: Is he going to hit as many 10 Yard, yard, 15-yard, 20-yard plays as DeAndre Swift, no. Especially not in the receiving game. That's where DeAndre Swift has been thriving over the last couple years. But as Hayden outlined, Swift has been the running back six despite some depleted snaps over the last two weeks. Jamal Williams is running back seven in fantasy points per game. It's because of just how damn good the Detroit Lions are at putting up points. What, top three implied point total as you just outlined this week? Insane stuff. Um, touchdowns very important he is the chalk dfs play of the week jamal williams so this is one of those players and maybe the most overall so far this season that was drafted late in your leagues maybe even picked up of waiver wires early on this is the perfect time to play him because the matchup it's like the stars aligning it's the matchup it's the offense it's the offensive line which despite backups has been kicking ass up front so again it's not aesthetically pleasing all the time for jamal williams but it would be shocking if he does not get it done and he is 100 one of the 20 players that defines this week
1: his dance moves are aesthetically pleasing and uh, <laughs> rb8 on rb15 fantasy usage with swift it's time to go uh with their red zone
0: touchdown rate i brought this up earlier on maybe the stats for his film show or his our tier show like this team is scoring on 83 percent of their red zone drives for touchdowns It'll regress. That's bananas like that. Yeah. That is going to regress, but it mm-hmm. just points to how many, despite what being one and two this season, how many points the Lions are putting up on a weekly basis. I actually want to stay in this game and I want to flip it on to the other side, because if you drafted Rashad Penny, this is the week you have to play him. Like this is the theory of the play. Okay. The games involving the Lions have averaged a league high 62.7 combined points through three games. So it's not just the Lions that we outlined. It's also the defense that's allowing a whole bunch of points and allowing the opposition to score. Um, This is from Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar himself. The Seahawks have not had a goal to go play yet this season. This is a reason why we have not seen any touchdowns really for Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker. And if you think back to last season, Hayden, Rashad Penny posted 185 yards and two touchdowns when these two teams faced off of last season. He helped people get to the finals. He helped win people millions of dollars. It hasn't stopped there. The Lions have not fixed this over the offseason. Right now, they are allowing 21.6 rushing points per game to opposing backfields, opposing backfields. So while the Seahawks offense has gotten home in whatever way they've been able to, because of the passing game, this is the week despite having a split backfield with Kenneth Walker for someone like Rashad Penny to step up and be a surprise week Four superstar.
1: Yeah. The we'll see what happens on passing downs. Cause we did have Travis Homer to injured reserve. Uh, the Seahawks are just projected for more points this week than they have been previously. And I think that the lions uh, offensive pace uh, is going to help this kind of game go. I actually have another Seahawk ready. How many how many players do we have from this game? I have I have another one after this one, too. This is this is the game for us. Apparently, um, we're going to shoot five of our wads here on the first game. Yeah, no, And everyone's going to leave the show. Tyler Lockett. Wow. I really like this matchup for for Tyler Lockett. Um, first of all, uh, last week, we talked about this with Justin Jefferson. They play man and they put brackets on number one receivers, It's unclear if they're going to do that with DK Metcalf, but I would argue that DK Metcalf has the profile that you would be putting bracket coverage on. And if that is the case, that would free up better matchups for Tyler Lockett. And even if they don't do that, the Lions haven't been very good. They're giving up. Uh, they're they're 25th against opposing fantasy wide receivers. And Tyler Lockett has been really good. He's actually the wide receiver two overall in completion percentage over expected. I think that Geno Smith has played very well. And even though the first couple of weeks they were really run heavy, Tyler Lockett's still the wide receiver 35 in usage. I think there's a lot of positives here going back to the, the main one is I think the Lions could score points and the Seahawks could score points. Both of their team totals are probably higher than you're expected. So I think that entire locket could have a good individual matchup within this positive game environment.
0: Yeah, the total might even drop with Amon um, Ross St. Brown being out. Again, the last time I checked it out, it was at 48. Uh, again, let me outline that every single game that the Lions have played in the season, averaging 62.7 combined points. Damn, that's 14 more than the 48 that's projected in this contest. Love the point that you made with the bracket coverages with Jeff Okuda, who is pressing like with double punches, which is something that is so old school with that, like back to the Ricky Manning junior days when you could, there was no illegal contact that you just hang on to these wide receivers. It's a style that you don't see again now in today's NFL. And if he is going to line up one-on-one with DK Metcalf on the outside, then you hopefully have some more free releases, lesser cornerbacks to go up against with, with Tyler Lockett. Love, love that one. Um, And this Detroit Lions defense, as we just outlined, they're 24th in defensive DVOA against the run and 19 against the pass. So they have some fun pieces. I'm not going to go out there and say that Aiden Hutchinson Sacks have been all that good. Uh, they've kind of been relentless and, uh,
1: bring your lunch pail to work.
0: <laughs> yes. Effort <sacks. laughs> yes. Effort sacks is the best way of doing it. Yeah. But I think like that's where this lions organization is right now where you have to invest so much in young draft picks to get things going. And then this off season is the one where you like bring in some of those final pieces defensively and, in, in for agency and they're just not there yet. Uh, can the Titanic sink at all Hayden when we are double picking here with the Seattle Seahawks offense?
1: Well, can I raise you just get out of the way? Can I pick oh. up my other player? Yes. It's DJ shark week. What, what could go wrong here? All, all of this is just lions and Seahawks, but Obviously, without Amon Ross-St. Brown, the ball has got to go somewhere. I know Shark's been playing through an ankle injury, but I found a Lions B reporter that said, quote, his absence yesterday was mostly precautionary with his ankle. He should practice today and be good to go. I'm assuming he is good to go. We'll make adjustments. Uh, If DJ Shark can't play, then I would just swap in Josh Reynolds right now. DJ Shark is the wide receiver 44 in usage. We've shown the clips previously. Downfield post routes and stuff. Goff has just missed them. Those will even out throughout the entire course of the season. I think that DJ shark is pretty good. And right now the Seahawks are dead last and passing EPA per play. If this thing thing does get into somewhat of a shootout, I think that DJ DJ shark has a profile to be like a probably below average number one receiver, but deep routes things in the, in the red zone. I think that he could be more of the schemed up player here. Uh, They paid him $10 million on a one-year deal for games like this step into the number one role. Look at me producing on the fly and bringing up these DJ chart plays. These are just inches, feet,
0: yards away from being huge contests. Some of them are him, you know, not winning in contested situations. And some of them are Jared Goff just missing wide open targets down the field. He probably has some of the largest figures in terms of air yards that have not existed in terms of fancy points and produce fancy points for us just as of yet. Um, I don't know who's going to get the shorter to intermediate manufactured touches that we've seen from Amon Ross St. Brown and like the style of player who he is that is a Cooper Cup slash Robert Woods yeah. hybrid who can be an extra tight end at times. You can do the motions and the sweeps and behind the line of scrimmage. That's not TJ Chark's game. So I don't want people to think, oh, let's just put Chark in the Amon Ross St. Brown role. And let's go from there. You're not saying that. Mm-hmm. What you are saying is, hey, let's beat some of these younger safeties and cornerbacks deep down the field and and hope for the best. Because at some yeah. point, these deep shots with Jared Goff, when he's not pressured, are going to pay off. And every single week, I said it earlier in the week, a little meme of the guy peeking around the corner on Tuesday that it's DJ Chark week. And that was even if Amon Ross St. Brown was going to play.
1: Yeah, Let's he's a positive, re- positive regression candidate, even if the usage remained the same as it was previously. Good point with T.J. Hawkinson. This is the T.J. Hawkinson. Please show that you're a top 10 talent challenge week. We'll see if you can actually do it. But this is like th- clearly a week to put in T.J. Hawkinson in your lineups. So how can a
0: show concept fail when we open with uh, four of our 20 players on the Detroit Lions, and the Seattle Seahawks? Stack it up. Let's now go to Jalen Hurts. You know, some people who are good at football. OK, Jalen Hurts this week. Going against the Jacksonville Jaguars home, six and a half point favorites, a total of 47 in this game. Uh, There is so much talk of this being a great test for Trevor Lawrence. I would argue it's an equal test for Jalen Hurts. You know, the Jaguars are seventh in pass defense DVOA through three games. First in run defense DVOA. As we outline in stats versus film, A.J. Brown is special. Devontae Smith is special, especially in those one on ones that he went up and go went and got it last week in contested situations, but he also had some, you know, manufactured tar- targets and yards after the to catch too. Even Dallas Goddard had that awesome, like shuffle step on his screen for a touchdown. I do want to point out that as much as we have seen Jalen hurts evolve as a quarterback this year, namely throwing to the left side of the field and over the middle of the field, the one area we haven't seen him evolve yet is stepping up and climbing to the pocket and rolling to his left. You know, this is something that was a huge part of the team's downfall last year in their playoff game because good defenses and good defensive coordinators can hopefully migrate you to certain sections of the field that you are weakest to. It's so clear, and J.T. O'Sullivan pointed this out in the quarterback school, it's so clear that Jalen, when he is moved off his spot, which has not been that frequent this season, uh, loves to climb and loves the drift to the right, you know? Um, The other part that J.T. pointed out is that early on against the commanders... The Eagles had no like sight reads. They had no hot reads. They, they had nothing open when the, you know, the, the commanders brought extra people or pressured Jalen hurts. Um, I don't know how much the Jaguars going to have to do that because again, their front four are freaks, you know, they've got great pass rushers from every single angle and every single alignment, and they can move and twist them and stunt them and do all that stuff. So as much as I love that Jalen hurts, obviously is a top three quarterback through these weeks, This might be a bit of a different animal, and it's weird to say that against the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: It's going to be a tougher challenge, but I I am looking at the neutral offensive pace, and both teams are top seven. The Eagles are second, and the Jaguars are number seven in the league, and I think that because the Jaguars have been playing so well in general, I think that even though the defenses are pretty good in general, I think that this is a a still positive matchup oh for sure uh, for for jalen hurts and like this chart kind of says it all there's not that many teams in this elite elite category look at them all the way up in the top here so i think this is like a definitely weak start everybody including like aj brown and dfs i have a model out there it's uh you had a kid middle of the week narrative i'm gonna see uh, we're gonna be rocking the cradle in the end zone this week from aj brown put that into your model
0: Maybe how I said that, you interpreted it as like me having some concerns here. I'm just asking questions of Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and it's a like good test. Because everything has been so positive and glowing through the Philadelphia. I mean, they're arguably the best team in the NFL for three weeks of this season, right? Mm-hmm. And so this just brings something different to the table with so much focus, again, being on Trevor Lawrence, this Jacksonville offense, and how are they going to respond to the Eagles, so on and so forth. Again, I would say just 18% of the Eagles drives this year have gone three and out. Like that's the lowest rate in the league. The league average is at nearly 32%, 18% compared to 32%. So it's been easy so far. And this might be the most difficult test for Jalen Hurts, but it helps again that you have an AJ Brown week. You have an AJ Brown and a Devonte Smith week. Then you have a Devonte Smith week, you know, like yep. any of these pieces can get home any given week. Uh, I would struggle a little bit with any Miles Sanders shares. I have this contest.
1: I'm going to go to the other side of the ball here, and I'm going to be touting Christian Kirk this week. Uh, Going back to the pace, this is going to be a week where they're projected to lose in a high-scoring environment. There could be even more pass attempts, unlike there was last week when they were just running away uh, against the Chargers. Uh, Zay Jones, uh, sorry to you, Josh, did not practice Thursday. He's definitely going to be questionable. We'll see what his game status is. I think that Zay Jones is much better than Marvin Jones at this point, but I think that, Darius Slay just in general does not go into the slot. I'm not even sure if that would be a good matchup with him. He's such a physical corner. I think they might leave Darius Slay on the outside and their slot cornerbacks not nearly as good. And that's where Christian Kirk eats. But even if it is a tough matchup on paper for Christian Kirk, the usage has been awesome. Wide receiver 13 in fantasy usage. Wide receiver 6 per game and half PPR. And I think that he's protected by the scheme, all those four vert option routes. We're seeing things like wheel routes. We're seeing some screens. We're seeing a lot of deep crossing routes, mesh concepts, all the stuff. He's the focal point of the offense. So even if we are scared of the too high structure and how much talent, the defensive line, all that stuff, I just think he's so protected. Uh, and I want to be chasing this game environment for Christian, for Christian Kirk.
0: Yeah, Love that. And it's a third Jones brother who potentially could be filling in for Zay Jones with Tim Jones. Look, if Zay doesn't play, why are you even watching football? To be honest, like what is there to watch? It is a huge change though, because just the offense that Doug Peterson has put out there. And trust me, it's a bit of a revenge week. You know, he has some players and staff members that he probably still loves on the Eagles side of the ball, but not necessarily the people who are sitting in the press boxes and the owner's boxes this weekend too. Um, I'm excited for this, man. I'm I'm very interested to see what the Jaguars are going to do offensively because one of the coolest plays that we saw last week was James Robinson to the right of Trevor Lawrence and shotgun, a motion to get Christian Kirk also in the backfield because as we know, wide receivers and backfield alignments are undefeated so far through three weeks of the NFL season. And then he goes and runs an angle route against a linebacker or safety, and it's like a no contest there in the red zone. And that's the cool shit. That Doug Peterson is doing that when you get to the four point territories, you know, where you convert three points into seven points, right? Those are mattering so much in games like this against the Philadelphia Eagles where true play callers shine, right? And doing that with your wide receiver and Christian Kirk is so, so, so important. So, might we see some of that type of stuff, creativity with Evan Ingram? Might we see it with Travis Etienne as well? Because we haven't seen a huge, massive, explosive week for Travis Etienne. So, if again, if Zay Jones does not play, then the Jaguars are going to need one explosive player to step up, and it could be Christian Kirk.
1: I'm calling it right now. He's catching a pass as a running back against a linebacker, an option route. That goes for 20-plus yards, maybe even a score this week. It's it's a lock to happen. Okay, you talked
0: about Jamal Williams. So I think I need to talk about Khalil Herbert since he's the quote-unquote chalk of the week. Now, we don't know if Dave Montgomery is or is not playing in this game as of now. It kind of sounds like he is going to play in this contest against the New York Giants, with the Giants favored by three points, a total of 39 and a half here. Cleo Herbert's been outstanding this season. I mean, beyond outstanding. He alone has the most yards after contact on average per carry in the NFL, and the Bears in totality, this team, is averaging six carries per game of 10-plus yards. That's amazing when you consider the fact that their quarterback has only thrown for 297 passing yards through three games. And, and they're two and one. So going back to the point of the two versus one, if Dave Montgomery is banged up, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns into the one Hayden and Cleo Herbert is the one who gets the two snaps, the two carries, right? So giants suck bears. Good. They've run 19 running plays in the reds zone this season versus one pass play. Like once they get to the high value touch area, it's Cleo Herbert time. And I wouldn't be scared off totally if Dave Montgomery
1: is active for this contest. And he hasn't practiced this week. I'm going to guess he misses, but we'll see. Uh, This is a great matchup for whoever is the Bears starting running back there up in this eruption spot category. The matchup's good. The Bears are completely run first, as everyone knows. Uh, And Khalil Herbert, the vision, the strength, a little more burst than you're expecting. Very good on the ground. And there's a chance that they don't even trust Tristan Ebner after that fumble, where we could see, instead of this being a 66-33% split, uh, this could be like an 80-20 type of split if David Montgomery misses time because I'm not sure if they're going to go back to Tristan Ebner.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. It's one of our favorite picks all summer because he had 20 carries and two receptions in all the contests that Dave Montgomery missed last season. And Leonard Williams was still DNP all week in practice. So that's one of the Giants' best defensive linemen. And I kind of butchered this stat. I want to bring it up once again. In the red zone, the Bears have ran the ball 19 times and thrown the ball once. It's so clearly just based on Justin Fields passing this year and lack thereof, they do not trust him in condensed situations in the least. So this means to run first program, Cleo Herbert, even with a small total of 39 and a half, which we typically like to stay away from. It's a perfect matchup.
1: Yep. Love it. I'm going to be pivoting to wide receiver. I'm going to be mentioning Brandon Cooks. Uh, one of the biggest positive regression candidates per my model, he's had the second lowest touchdowns over expected among all wide receivers in tight ends. He's actually the wide receiver 17 in usage, but only the wide receiver 58 in actual half PPR points this week. Uh, the quiet part of this, both teams are top 10 in neutral pace. That's against the chargers. And on paper, this would be a tough matchup uh, against the chargers, but no Joey Bosa, maybe no mm-hmm. JC Jackson, um, he was limited uh, to start the week in in that one game that he did come back playing through that ankle injury. He did not look good, got torched a couple times here. So um, lots of positives just on paper for Brandon Cooks and teams facing the Chargers are choosing to pass at the highest rate in the NFL, which is pretty surprising given like the structure of their defense. But uh, teams are choosing to pass against the Chargers for whatever reason. Maybe that's because the secondary isn't, isn't very good right now with JC Jackson banged up. And this is just a bet on regression a bet on Brandon Cook's skill set. And I think that this is a week to take advantage.
0: I think Davis Mills not taking that second year step has contributed to Brandon Cook's lack of success, despite what the underlying metrics have to say. Um, I'm with you. This is one where you have to kind of like reset who you think the Charters defense is, even if they haven't been great so far because Joey Bosa is like that big of a deal to them. Now they also have Khalil Mack and, Hopefully he can step up versus like the void that they've had in the past when Joey Bosa doesn't doesn't hit. But yeah, th- this should be if it's a Brandon Cooks week, this 100% should be it. Um a little bit nervous about like how many points in total are going to be scored in this game. Like right now when I checked, it was at 44 with the Chargers favored by five points. But it's in a dome. It's at home. And hopefully Brandon Cooks can get home. Let's do it. Okay. I actually have one from the other side. This might shock you. Okay. Gerald Everett. All right. Let me make the pitch because as the Chargers defense is evolving, their offense is going to have to evolve without left tackle Rashawn Slater. Um, Right now, Gerald Everett is at 7.7 a dot. Okay. Compare that to Keenan Allen at 13, Mike Williams at 14, DeAndre Carter at 13. This is why you bring in Gerald Everett because he's the only yards after catch threat on the team. Agree among like all non running backs. He's averaging 7.7 yards after catch the season. Again, the next closest non running back is Joshua Palmer at 5.2. And that was greatly out of whack because of like that 30 yard yak reception. He had a couple weeks ago. Um, The Texans are like extremely average in terms of pass rush grade from PFF. But I don't think that that means Joe Lombardi who has been very conservative in his usage for someone with an arm like Justin Herbert will still think, Hey man, we can attack vertical. I think from, here on, this is the first week where he like sets the tone for the changes that they're going to have to have on offense when you bring in a rookie six rounder in Jamari Saylor, who's going to start at left tackle here. And I think a huge part of it is getting Gerald Everett, the ball closer to the line of scrimmage and setting him up for yards after catch capabilities. And that's music to our ears because already Gerald Everett is a tight end seven in fancy points per game.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's the seam guy, he's also the yards doctor, the catch guy and uh yesterday Keenan Allen left practice with trainers, so that may maybe a setback we'll learn more uh but I thought he was going to be questionable to play this game regardless. And yes, the the left tackle injury matters a lot. Huge. But I think but not against a- the Texans as much. Yes, and I was gonna say, but also their defense isn't gonna be as good on paper. The matchup isn't that bad. And like right now, Vegas is still projecting them uh for like number seven uh implied points this week. They're gonna be playing fast. That's like kind of how this offense has always been. Uh they're passing the ball a ton. So, yes, there might be like a, a a fewer touchdowns in general, but I can see pass attempts being there for someone like Mike Williams, definitely like Austin Eckler, lots of schemed up touches to him, and then Gerald Everett. Just we might see the fewer like deep shots and stuff, but at the same time, like Justin Herbert just might overcome this like to a certain degree, uh as well.
0: Possibly. I I know we focus on skill vision players, but like losing a left tackle in Rashawn Slater when your right tackle Excuse. was already such a question yeah. mark. It's probably the biggest drop off from like one talent yeah. to the next yeah. across the league. And Justin Herbert this season before this injury had already seen his intended air yards per attempt drop by nearly a full yard. And I'm with you. Hopefully, we get even more Austin Eckler receptions. I think he's on pace for like over 100 this season, which is nuts. Yep. Um, and if Keen Allen doesn't play, then we've seen DeAndre Carter really line up in the slot. But more so than anything, DeAndre Carter has been more of a vertical slot player than anything else. And truly, this is the worst unit in the league in terms of after-catch capabilities at their wide receiver position and maybe one of the best at tight end. So I wouldn't be shocking at all. And maybe you drafting on on underdog this weekend with your battle Royales or filling out some other DFS contest. I could see Gerald Everett turning in a top three or top four tight end week this weekend.
1: I love Herbert and battle Royale Herbert, Mike Williams, plus Gerald Everett bring back Brandon cooks. Woo. That's going to win it. Okay. Next one for you. Hayden Winks is recommending Deontay Johnson What oh. world we have came to, but this is just a great matchup on paper for Deontay Johnson. The Jets stink on defense, if you guys haven't heard. Uh, they're 30th in pass efficiency. The Steelers are at home. Their team total is higher than normal. It's up at 22. Previously, they are like in that 17, 18 range. So they're projected to score more points. And I was looking back, just to make sure I'm not losing my mind here, looking at the rookie cornerbacks, and he will see some sauce gardener on the perimeter. Uh, this is also a cover one, cover three base defense, single high structure where you can take a deep shot downfield. Deontay Johnson has had a couple of those near the sideline. They've been miraculous catches. Uh, He's had to overcome them, but he's a positive regression candidate. And I went back to look at the rookie cornerbacks and nine out of the top 32 uh, corners in coverage snaps per target. Teams are choosing to pass at these players are rookies. That is absurd. This has been a trend as always. I think even though we like Sauce Gardner, I still think that this is a good matchup for Deontay Johnson. Just a lot of things are going right in this one week sample for Deontay.
0: This has to be a Mitchell Trubisky week. Like it feels weird to say this. And yes, you have come full circle. Pouting Deontay Johnson, but you have to do it in this scenario for multiple reasons. One, the Steelers have punted on half their possessions this season. That should change in this contest. Two, the Jets have led for one total snap all year long. Yeah. All year long. Now, Mitch Trubisky is booty. He's awful. But if the Jets can't really pass rush, if they have so many mind blowing mistakes in the back half where they rank as like the 30th worst secondary, 31st worst secondary in the league, then at the very least, if he is protected and even some of the plays that rolling to his outside, Mitch Trubisky get get home. And so that might even open the door for George Pickens or Chase Claypool or Pat Fireman or for someone else. But we know no matter what, Deontay Johnson is going to get a handful, hopefully more of these opportunities. If there's ever a place to turn six targets into a team for over a hundred yards and big plays, it is against this jet secondary.
1: Yeah, I I want to go. I, I don't think people are reading the usage notes in the fantasy usage model. Um, But here's a good one for Deontay Johnson. It's he's the only wide receiver averaging ten targets per game without a single red zone target, and he's the wide receiver two in air yards. It hasn't mattered. He's all, only the wide receiver forty four per game, but wide receiver eighteen usage, and that stuff will even out. And if he hasn't getting getting red zone targets, this is a week where they should be in the red zone more often.
0: And this is such a joke of a passing chart, and this might be his better one against the Cleveland Browns. Everything is thrown to the sideline, basically. Mm-hmm. Everything. And it's because he's a little scaredy cat throwing where there's open space. You know, he either wants it to go incomplete or have his wide receivers make unbelievable catches, which you've already seen from George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and so on and so forth. So th- this is the week. This has to be the best game of the season for Mitch Trubisky. Questions are already asked, but it would be a monsoon of them if uh, if this doesn't happen. Okay, I actually have someone on the opposite side because dangerous. Zach Wilson's back in our life, okay? And it's not necessarily a start Zach Wilson commentary. There's really two sides of this conversation. First, I want to bring up the fantasy side of this because Zach Wilson is completely tied to Garrett Wilson, wide receiver 15 in fantasy points per game. Elijah Moore, who has 21 targets through three games, although he hasn't topped 50 yards yet. And last year was far worse with Zach Wilson on a full season basis than he was with the white guy or Joe Flacco. And he's also tied to Michael Carter and Brees Hall who have 16 and 13 targets combined between them, right? Now, even if Zach Wilson plays well, we shouldn't see that same volume that has been able to get all four of those pass catchers home, right? In whatever scenario is home for them. Because again, the Jets have led for one single snap the season and Joe Flacco is averaging 52 attempts per game. What I care most about Hayden is the narrative portion of this. Like if Zach Wilson has not improved look out. you know, trust me, I get it. Connor McDermott is starting at left tackle. This team has allowed 56 pressures through three games. And I know that jets fans can hang on to that 19 of 33 game against the Tampa Buccaneers last December. Cause we hear it every single week when talking about this jets offense but at least Joe Flacco has worked inside of his offense to a degree that it allows Garrett Wilson to get home, that it allows us to see what this offense does and should and want to be. Zach Wilson has shown the tendency in the past to not hang to the pocket, to not go through his progressions, to then want to escape fire down the field, 20, 25, 30 yards. And that's where he's won. That's where he has best game last season against the Tennessee Titans. This has to look different immediately or else it gives us huge questions from week four and moving on through week 17.
1: Yeah, this this density chart shows just Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson over the last two years. And the Joe Flacco targets over here on the left side, those are like your running back targets. That's like zero yards downfield. That's like the complete check down. Zach Wilson's more like one read throwing it. Uh, It's like somebody like Garrett Wilson um, and not really hitting the intermediate parts of the field, but also throwing a little bit deep. So that's kind of the difference looking at like Brees hall versus uh, and, and Michael Carter with Joe Flacco versus somebody like Zach Wilson.
0: And trust me, like there's no TJ Watt on the other side. There's also some built in moments again with his offensive line. That's been really bad in multiple spots for the jets, but I don't care about any of that. I'm going to be able to overlook the times where j- Zach Wilson takes immediate duress and there's a negative play for that. What I'm going to focus on is when the pocket is good, because the pocket's going to be good for the vast majority of snaps here. And then what's Zach Wilson's reaction? Either if the primary is open, does he hit that with accuracy and timing? And if it's not open, what he does when going to two and three and so on and so forth. Just if we get the same exact player that we saw during his rookie season, or if we have seen development, which has been tough, probably for him, because, you know, some lost preseason, some lost early season snaps. Because in those same moments, we saw some positivity from Joe Flacco. And we have Mm -hmm. to see that in this game from Zach Wilson. Again, oral questions are absolutely valid moving forward.
1: Yep. And three of their offensive tackles are injured reserve. So lots of stuff going on with the Jets. My next name, Gabe Davis. This is a fantastic matchup for him. Obviously, the game of the week. Oh, you're going Steph Diggs, probably for some of the same exact reasons. Number one, the Bills are first in fantasy points to their wide receivers. The Ravens' defense has allowed the most points to their fantasy wide receivers. Pretty good argument. The Bills leading uh, in projected points all the way up to uh, 27 right now. This is a a game where it's going to be isolated coverage, lots of man, lots of blitzing, all that stuff, if the Ravens' defense doesn't make an adjustment. And Gabe Davis has said he's fine. He's been practicing on a limited basis. This week, he was able to play 96% of the snaps. Last week, uh, in week one, he played 100% of the snaps. It's just a game where I think there's going to be enough passing volume uh, in general. Uh, both teams, even, even the Ravens, uh, have been playing with a little bit more pace than we're used to. So a great matchup for for Gabe Davis, I'm sure, like you said. Diggs.
0: Well, and it was mainly a Gabriel Davis conversation. I was just a little nervous. If Gabriel Davis doesn't play, then Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs is going to go to the absolute moon. And last week, Devontae Parker had gains of 31, 40, 36, 25, and 24 yards. Similar players. 31, 40, 36, 25, 24 yards. That's five plays for Devontae Parker against this Ravens secondary. A Ravens secondary that, yes, they're able to get Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey out there every single week, even though they missed practice during the week. But they lost two of their starters in the first week, namely Cal Fuller, and they've been roti- rotating in like, Armor Davis and another yeah. one of these like rando slot corners, too. Gabriel Davis last week, Hayden played 96% of the snaps. I think mm-hmm. it's Davis might have pointed this out. Davis Matic, the eighth most ever for a wide receiver in a single game. I mean, he has an eight out of 13.5, you know, five chunk plays last week to Devontae Parker against the secondary. This is the prime, the perfect week for Gabriel Davis to have a massive contest against the Ravens secondary who's been obliterated by vertical passes associated to the quarterback who's been the quarterback 2, 4, and 3 in weekly scoring so far this season. And that's why they're favored by 3, and that's why it's a total of 51 against the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with Marlon Humphrey, t- traditionally a slot corner, but that would be putting somebody on Isaiah McKenzie instead of their two outside receivers, so that's going to be c- something to monitor. But if Marlon Humphrey does stay inside, that means Steph Diggs or Gabe Davis is going to be going up against one of these uh like no profile picture on Madden type of corners on the outside so yeah this is this will be the so we start I do think that Isaiah McKenzie will get a decent amount of run here same. over Jameson Crowder we saw it last week in a very Dolphins Ravens on the same kind of plane of type of defense that they run and I think that plays into Isaiah McKenzie's strengths because against man coverage and against the blitz you want to be uh, running running away routes use your speed and Isaiah McKenzie's just faster than Crowder
0: and I know Despite that 96% snap share he had last week, he only had 37 yards to show for it. But a big part of that Hayden, I thought was a defense that the dolphins played like early on, they were blitzing Josh Allen. And so that's why Devin Singletary was so involved early on. But after that, they started playing further and further off because, you know, Josh Allen was, was blitzkrieging them to be Mm -hmm. honest with you and, and Mm -hmm. dicing up their, their defense. So look, we are Gabriel Davis apologists. Why not have high-variance players we you're connected we weren't to like before. the best quarterback? <laughs> we weren't before, but we've been not converted per se, but now we have much of a better of a grasp because this team the believes he's a full-time player. Yeah. There's a huge difference heading into last year, not to revisit this, when he wasn't a full-time player until week 14 of the NFL season. Yeah, it's I mean, the role. Playing 73 snaps last week. That's a full-time player. Mm-hmm. I actually have a wide receiver on the opposite end, Hayden. Hit me. Rashad Bateman. Um, This is another great test for Lamar Jackson, who's been stunning so far through three weeks. But it's a very different team that Lamar Jackson is facing this week because he's been dealing against the Blitz this season, right? The Bills are not going to Blitz the Ravens, okay? I think early on through the first three weeks, teams have wondered, well, Lamar was awful against zero coverage last year. He was awful when sending extra men. He was awful when an empty is that going to continue through three weeks? You've seen that answered, and it's not just the hot, the sight reads that we've seen from Rashad Bateman in Week One against, or whenever the week was against the um, the Miami Dolphins, which they blitzed him immediately. That was Week Two with Xavier Howard, and boom, answered. Right. This is again a different test because the Bills play what the Bills play. They're going to rush with four, play coverage with seven, and I do trust Lamar. To be comfortable because he's gone from one to two to three, even checked his left shoulder, see if a pass rush is coming and then boom, make something happen from there. But it's a huge part, man. It's a huge part of Rashad Bateman needing to do this because we haven't seen the consistency in terms of targets each and every week. So if these are extended snaps where he gets to his third, it's going to be on Rashad Bateman to win in his isolated coverage and he can do it. It's just been yep. the Mark Andrews and the Mar Jackson show so far.
1: Obviously, great in, in, in passing environment, both teams are top five in neutral pass rate. And going back to the 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 Rashad Bateman stuff, he hasn't been a full-time player. It's like hovering around like 70% routes because so they bring in DeMarcus Rob Robinson to pass block and in those isolated one wide receiver sets. That's what they're going with. I don't think we're gonna get as many of them this week just because the Ravens probably aren't gonna be winning by a lot. So I think Rashad is just gonna be out there for more snaps. And I'm with you. I'm hoping that the the Ravens don't treat him as, like, a deep threat. Because we showed those clips. Like, when he's slowing down and just chopping his feet and going in and out of those breaks, I think he's a very fluid player, and he's pretty lengthy. I think he can win underneath. And this is a week where he's not going to be able to just run past corners and safeties uh, in in isolated coverage. He's going to have to win underneath. I think this is a bet on his skill set. And I hope the Ravens just don't send him into the deep safeties and they can let him kind of cook underneath because I think that he is a well-rounded player we haven't for seen sure. that in uh, a week by week basis but I think that he has it in him and I'm hoping they let him it's this route right in particular right here like that's just a crafty route let's let's see him do it a bunch of times
0: yep I'm totally with you and unfortunately a lot of this stuff again is also against single high stuff the week one play with single high stuff I think this is almost a y'all must have forgot game for Rashad Bateman um and the Ravens have sucked running the ball this season. And they're not going to be able to run the ball this week either against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, 33% of the rushes um, this year for the Ravens have just been zero to one yards, basically. And the Bills have only allowed one rush of 10 plus yards this season, you know? So that's also to quarterbacks. They haven't faced anyone like Lamar, but if the running game is hurt, someone is going to have to step up. And we've also, what I've loved to see with Lamar recently is he's allowing his playmakers to go up and make plays. Mark Andrews mossing people, Devin Duvernay in the back right corner of the end zone. We've also seen Rashad Bateman deep and vertical too. Uh, just more short to intermediate targets because I think from a pure skill set standpoint, Rashad Bateman has has that skill set to bring to the table.
1: Other young wide receiver, I'm going to flip over to Chris Olave. We got some news that Michael Thomas is not going to be playing. Jarvis Landry uh, is questionable to play. Even if he does play, he's playing, I, I believe on an ankle injury might not be, at 100, similar to like someone like Gabe Davis, like he's out there, but he's not like his true self. Uh, Chris Olave has just been balling out of his mind when it comes to usage. Wide receiver 19, even with those two wide receivers in the lineup, there could be something to Andy Dalton getting Chris Olave more work underneath instead of making this like prayer yards king. Those prayer yards will still be. Available just the way that Chris Olave runs his routes, but I do think there could be some more scheme stuff underneath. This could be a high-scoring uh, environment against the Vikings. The Vikings' uh, corners aren't very good. They've been wide receiver ne- or uh, teams facing the Vikings so far nineteenth in wide receiver fantasy points, and this is just a bet on Chris Olave stepping into perhaps a new role where they're looking for underneath intermediate type of targets too.
0: Yeah, I actually had Andy Dalton as one of mine for the same reasons that you mentioned, because it kind of all stems from him. Um, I don't want him to end this train, this beautiful train that we have seen Chris Olave start rumbling on through three weeks. You know, now the issue, there's some underlying things here for the Saints. One, their offensive line has not been playing probably to the normal standard as it has in the past few years. Maybe Doug Marone has something to do with that. Uh, Two. 75% of the points this season scored by the Saints have been scored in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Like, let's get it done early on, you know? Now, specifically talking about Andy Dalton, not going to say he's been great in previous years, but last year, Darnell Mooney, in his final two starts, Matt Harmon pointed this out, had 29 targets. That equaled 19 receptions, 195 yards, and a touchdown. I loved how you outlined that Chris Olave, He's not just a vertical type player, even though he's been getting there with Jameis Winston. I would say that's more of a quarterback thing and how the scenes have been trailing in these contests, and that's where he's been needed because Chris Olave has a well-rounded skill set. You know, he has a route-running skill set to win short, to win intermediate, and to win down the field. So hopefully Andy Dalton does enough. This game has a 43 and a half total. The Vikings are now favored by three and a half points. Um if we get more of those Michael Thomas targets for him, beautiful. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good, great comparison. Chris Olave and Darnell Mooney aren't exactly the same, but they're pretty similar type of players. And his splits on off with uh, Darnell Mooney last year, much better. So I'm, pr- I'm pretty optimistic here.
0: Okay. Um, where should I go next? Let's go to Michael Pittman Jr. Sticking with wide receivers here, Hayden, because... Michael Pittman Jr. should be near the top of your wide receiver projections this week. 42.5 total, the Colts here are favored by 3.5 points. We've really only seen two healthy games for Michael Pittman this season, nine for 121-1 and and eight for 72. He's receiving 26% and 25% of the team's targets in this two contests. On some level, I feel like that missed game is like, clouding people's judgments of the potential massive ceiling we could have for Michael Pittman and this might be again the lowest you'll be able to see him for projected points for the rest of the season. I mean he has the, as many targets as the rest of the team's wide receivers combined. And again, he missed an entire game. A league high 9.9 yards per target to opposing wide receivers is what the Tennessee Titans are allowing out there. Their defense is 26th and pasty DVOA so far. Through three weeks, their best pass rushers. Most importantly, because we haven't seen Matt Ryan have a great start to this season, are through the interior. Probably where the Colts have their best offensive lineman too. They're missing Harold Landry. You know, Bud Dupree played twelve snaps last week and has missed some practice time this week. Teams are constantly getting into the red zone against the Tennessee Titans. This is a, a launching point for Michael Pittman for the rest of the season. And again, I think he should be projected for top five, top six points despite it being the Titans versus the Colts.
1: I a hundred percent agree with you. My model, I put a little human element to this. It's not just the computer. I remove the games where players are clearly not healthy or only played a couple of snaps like we had with Michael Pittman. And, yeah, he's projected top 10 in in my model. And I, I think the matchup is a plus one. The Titans are running out some corners that most people have never heard of. So this is an excellent matchup. And all this stuff has been with Matt Ryan, I think playing the worst football I can remember him yeah. playing. It's been really bad. And it's obviously new offense, there could be some some uh, adjustments needed. Um, and I think that the Colts passing offense should just get better in Michael Pittman certified baller. Okay, who's next? Let's go to another sexy game, the Falcons. I'm going to go <laughs> Marcus Mariota.
0: What are we doing with this show? By the way, if you've made it this far, subscribe to the channel.
1: Yeah. If you enjoy this concept, leave it in the comments. I like this concept. This concept is more fun. It's like keep everyone on their toes. Like if people are in the chat, like, oh, are they going to say Chris Olave next? And then we say it. I feel like there's a game. It's like all your
0: shots a little bit. Let yeah. us know in the comments, though, if you like it. That would help us. Gamify it.
1: Uh, Gamify it. Falcons projected for 24 points this week. That's among the highest. That's way more than they have been in previous weeks. This offense is legitimately good. If you guys haven't been watching the games, everything's schemed up properly. In my opinion, the Falcons offensive line has been playing a little bit better than we've expected. And right now, the the Browns defense, they, they're 23rd against fantasy quarterbacks. Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett might not play, and we've already talked about it. Even when they were all healthy, the interior of this defensive line is no bueno. So I don't think that the the Browns' defense and the back half has been communicating very well. Uh, lots of coverage bust, and I think that this could be a game where Marcus Mariota could scramble around a little bit um, if JOK is not healthy, and then we have just the one on one isolated receivers on the outside with Michael or with uh, Drake London. And Kyle Pitts. I think a lot of stuff's going right for Marcus Mariota and he's already been a fringe top 12 fantasy quarterback because of what he's been doing on the ground.
0: All three of the games, this is according to Rich Rebar, that the Browns and Falcons have played this season have gone over the total. At least of the total that's opened each of those weeks. Uh, I'm with you. This is low-key a really fun matchup. Jacoby Brissett versus Marcus Mariota, both I'm not saying excelling in the offenses that are put out there, but from the perception of who these players are, if you just stack them one through thirty-two on quarterback lists, these are well-run offenses. Um, I would still love fewer sideline targets to Cowpits and more easier stuff like what we saw with potentially the tight end on the opposite side for the Cleveland Browns for for Cowpits, but that doesn't take away anything that Marcus is doing because they're doing some really cool motions, some really cool action, some really cool formations with full house in the backfield. I keep hearing like, well, Desmond Ritter's is inevitable to start so on and so forth. And maybe his, like no. I'm sure that they want to see what he's going to do in maybe week 17 or week 18, something like that. But not because of the play that Marcus Mariota has had in the in the opening three weeks. Like for who he is, he's played just about to the best of that capability.
1: They're you know? seventh in passing EPA. Seventh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's been fun to watch. He's a great athlete too. And I feel like Mm -hmm. he's become more aggressive than ever. My issue with Marcus always in the past loved him, but he's always a bit robotic, you know, and conservative in his play. But Arthur Smith is almost like, Hey man, we're going to have Drake London and Kyle Pitts run down the field. We're going to keep in an extra blocker or two, give you as Mm -hmm. much time as you want. Don't worry about the pocket. And we're gonna just let you unload it deep and yep. stretch the field vertically because he has one of the highest intended air yards per attempt in the league. And that's been a cool wrinkle of his game this year and his what third stop and or fourth stop in the league.
1: Yeah. I it might have been the athletic football show. I somebody said that they're using Kyle Pitts like AJ Brown, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Just like and it is true, like all these like outside stuff, that is kind of where AJ Brown uh was winning, but I think that's pr- a pretty op- optimistic statement. So this is a week to get your Browns and your Falcons. I have another Browns uh player later on, unless you have unless you have one by yourself.
0: No, give it to us because it's David Njoku. Loved what we saw last week from David Njoku. He's always been playing a bunch of snaps this season after he got that huge contract this offseason. This is why we drafted him as like the tight end 19 at one point and that steamed all the way up to around the tight end 15. Close drafts this year. Some people are going to be wondering why if it was just a one-hit wonder last week. Hayden, Titan's been a wasteland, but he could be a really bright name again with how the Browns are operating in totality and offense the rest of the way.
1: So somewhat of a one-hit wonder, but even in week two, he had eight point four expected half PPR points per my model last week. That jumped all the way up to fourteen point three, which is incredible usage uh right now just as a team they're sixth in tight end scoring the falcons defense 31st against tight ends and I'd have to verify this. They have seen like they've been bottom three against tight ends every year for like the last 10 years. It's it's actually incredible what they're doing over there. Uh, but David Njoku, grown-ass man, clearly good at football, yards after the catch and downfield threat. He kind of do everything. He's blocking his ass off uh, as well. That's why he's a full-time player. That's why they paid him a ton of money. And Jacoby Brissett is picking apart defenses. There's going to be a lot of pressure looks from Dean Pease. But David Njoku, I think, is going to be able to have yards after the catch ability. And right now, the Browns, are projected for top five points this week, the Cleveland Browns.
0: The only caveat I'll add to this is the Browns running backs are going to smash in this game. Of course. Of course. Like, so is there going to even be enough? I mean, obviously, they're, they're going to they're try to put up points. Um, Amari Cooper's been fantastic. Jacob oh, yeah. Brissett's been really good, again, in this offense. But the style that David Njoku has of, hey, I'm going to create on my own after the catch on these screens, or you can thrust me down the field 17, 20 yards. We're not going to see a ton of those completions from, from Jacoby Brissett, but it's, it's a unique athlete at the position who's really learning. And I think developing before our eyes, like some of the stuff he put out there last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where he understood the shading or or the location of defenders and then start moving back in the opposite direction yep. or sitting down in his own coverages. This is exactly what we want to see. I always talk about it. Second contract or second team tight ends are where they develop. And again, we we are seeing it right now with David and Joku, I think.
1: Yeah. This is like to me so obvious before the season. Like young player hasn't been a full time player, now is a full time player, paid well. The athleticism was there. We've seen it in flashes. And the cherry on top is Jacoby Brissett is just playing good football.
0: This is all true. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go to Kyler Murray and the total of 42 and a half against the Carolina Panthers. And the reason I'm shouting out Kyler Murray is because the Panthers in this contest are favored by one and a half, the freaking Panthers. Okay. It's on Kyler Murray, man. You're underdogs. The lowly, decrepit, declining Carolina Panthers. Per the worksheet from Rich Rebar, the Cardinals have trailed by double digits in all three contests this season. They have not scored a single first quarter point yet. This season, the Panthers defense has been pretty fun this year. We love the athletes that they bring to the table, the size that they have in the secondary, but the Panthers defense has only gone up against Jacoby Brissett, Daniel Jones, and Jameis Winston this year. And even if you remember back to that Giants game, Daniel Jones's mobility gave them a bunch of issues and was the reason why the Giants were able to close out that contest. Granted, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a clue when he designs what he's doing right now. And it's so clear to see against, and like what they did Marquise Brown last week, it was the same thing over and over and over again. I have this one dude that I'm going to line up at the left wide receiver. Interesting, and I'd love to get your input if we think some of that changes, if Rondale Moore plays here this week and what that means for Greg Dorch, if they move him around at all. But Kyler needs to show, that he is the best offensive player on either one of these teams after putting up just 13.4 fantasy points last week and just win this game, man, win this game. It's that simple. Do you think he'll do it? Yeah. I mean, the Panthers fucking suck.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, that DJ Moore video uh, talking about rule and Baker and not targets. And if he's open and stuff was, was pretty entertaining. Uh, Go find it. If you guys haven't watched it, but yeah, I'm with you. He, he needs to to play better. Um, The scheme's not going to really do Help him. a lot of things. My, my biggest thing is where is like layering. Where's the None. designed deep targets? Like everything. Hey, you, watch, just you watch
0: the last week. I, w- I want to bring oh, yeah. it up here actually, because it's spamming the same thing. It's like going into Madden pre-patch and just being able to run the same play over and over and over again. Like it's stressing vertical and sit down and the ball's on the money, you know, and that was it. Not an ambi-turner. Everything was outside breaking routes or little sit-down patterns to the left because they were so nervous with backup corners and then plus just Jalen Ramsey that the speed was being tested vertically. The Panthers are going to play this dif- defense differently than the Rams did. And so we're going to have to see Kyler make plays, which he has been each and every week. We see to see some of those plays made in the first quarter and the second quarter versus, you know, just being down on the scoreboard immediately. Like everyone talks about teams scripting the first 10 snaps. What the hell is Cliff, King- Cliff Kingsbury scripts for the opening 10 plays? Like What is he doing? What is he doing? You mentioned DJ Moore. I actually need to talk about him too, Aiden. <laughs> I almost I almost picked him. Um if DJ Moore doesn't get it going this week, he simply won't. And this is the reason. After this game against the Arizona Cardinals, which we'll get to that matchup in a moment, the Carolina Panthers have the 49ers defense, the Rams defense, and the Bucks defense. Baker Mayfield might not make it out of that Bucks game like they are going to torch a player that plays Matt rule in style might not get out of that bucks game of of the bucks defense. And that's after the 49ers with all the players that they have and after the rams when it's Aaron Donald against your interior disruption and also Jalen Rams in the back half. Good luck to you, sir. But DJ Moore can do it here. The Cardinals are 30th in pass defense DVOA heading into this contest. And I know what Matt Rule's saying of oh well if the Wide receiver gets open, then they should expect the ball. Well, what we've seen is they should expect the ball to fly over the top of their head because Baker Mayfield stinks. But hopefully what has happened this week is been McAdoo realizing some of the mesh concepts that they've been running, the the timing, the there's none of it right now with these wide receivers. They're bumping into each other. They're running into the trash over the middle the field. The, the, the clogged space. And let's just allow DJ Moore to go up against these lesser cornerbacks that the Cardinals have in one on one isolation and ask him to win. You know, let's ask him to win or get the ball in his hands in easier, wide open spaces versus trying to run through linebackers and coverages and cornerbacks and, and safeties over the middle of the field. Um, that's it. That's all I have to say. Like, I guess my big point is if DJ Moore doesn't do it this week, then he's never going to do it this season.
1: Yeah, this is the matchup to do it right now. Panthers still first in neutral pace, which I guess would be like the lone positive I can possibly say about this. The Cardinals have been playing slower than normal right now. They're 20th in neutral uh, offensive pace. They're typically really fast. I'm hoping that all of a sudden both teams play fast here. Maybe we can get something cooking, but yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a kind of like a squeaky wheel narrative type of thing for DJ Moore and DJ Moore still has some positive regression. He's been u- utilized a little bit more than what people have expected. But I'm with you. It's 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 basically now or never for DJ Moore.
0: So you said the Panthers are where in neutral pace? First. They're first in neutral pace, yet Baker Mayfield has 235, 145, and 170 passing yards. When you consider that 235, 75 of it was a Robbie Anderson the opening week on a broken snap. You consider that. 90 of his 170 passing yards in week three against the saints came from a Chenault on passes that traveled a combined three yards. When you consider that Baker Mayfield is being blitzed at the highest rate in the league last year, and he's been the worst at it across all 32 quarterbacks in the league so far this season, it's a quarterback problem. It's that easy. Um, it's not a DJ Moore problem. So, Hopefully they can do enough because even the worst quarterbacks can support good wide receiver days when the matchup is this advantageous to the Panthers and what they get against the Arizona Cardinals.
1: I got one more name. Devontae Adams. First in usage. Everyone's been critiquing the usage. It's still there. Devontae Adams still good. This has been a just really weird first or last two games for him. The, all of his like completion percentage stats, all that stuff have been way below average. I think Derek Carr has been fine aside from a couple brutals, brutal turnovers. They're still moving the ball uh, for the most part. Hunter Renfro has been a concussion protocol. This is the time. Like I think it's as simple as that. So Raiders are
0: two and a half point favorites against the two and one Denver Broncos, a total of 45 and a half in this game. From what we've seen from the Raiders so far. Can you outline why they would be favored in this contest? When like the Broncos have one of the most talented quarterbacks in Patrick Sertan. They have Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory rushing the passer. You know, their defensive coordinator, despite being the first time defensive coordinator, has done a pretty damn good job so far this season. It's because their offense has let them down so much. Because if it's the offense letting them down so much, you can't get that many better matchups also against the Raiders defense on the same at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I still really respect the Broncos defense. I just think that this is like you paid for him. Mark Davis is mad at the head coach. Uh, and it's just like, they're going to scheme him up a bunch more, probably more screens than normal. All, all that fun stuff to me. This is just, this is like a narrative based play and positive regression. My model still has him wide receiver one overall leading the NFL in red zone targets. Is so much. Yep. They don't to, like try to run the ball, the red zone. It's just like, all right, Does Darren Waller have an isolated matchup at the top? Okay, if no, then, all right, does uh, Devontae Adams have an option route underneath it? And sometimes they bracketed him on that one, and he still still scored a touchdown because he's so savvy. And then if they don't like those looks, then they'll run the ball in the red zone. So this is just, Devontae Adams, he hasn't been worse, in my opinion. Um, New offense, look at him going.
0: It's really the quarterback who's just played bad, you know?
1: For a couple plays per game. Like, I think for the most part, they're moving the ball. But then they, like but a, a couple a play plays in. per game
0: when your defense plays yeah. at that low of a level, it's, it's almost bad. a game changer. Yeah, and sure. look, the Darren Waller one last week was probably on Darren Waller, but the one in week one was on Derek Carr. Yeah, you know? for sure.
1: It hasn't been his best season.
0: Has not been his best season. Okay, that's going to do it for us. If you enjoyed the show, again, let us know in the comments after the video is over. Um, you all do an awesome job answering each other's start-sick questions throughout the weekend. Down in the description, down in the comments. Also, Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We're here to answer some of those. Start set show. We have a voicemail link in the description down below. You can leave those. They're less than 60 seconds. You can do it from your phone. They've been fantastic so far through three weeks. A lot of fun and good ones. We love hearing from you. So go and do that. As always, you can take us on the road with you or on the podcast feed. That is also linked in the description down below. And check out Maddie's video that he just posted about Sean McVay and this new evolution of turning Ben Skoranek, who's been a 6'2", 220-pound wide receiver his entire life, to literally a traditional fullback. It's a really cool breakdown. Go and check it out on the channel down below. All right. For Hayden Winks, I'm Josh Norris. Thank you all for tuning in. Up the Villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.